ਅਬਰ ਅੱਛਾ ਮੇਰੀ ਤੁਮ ਕਰੋ ਸਿੱਖ ਉਬਾਰ ਸਿੱਖ ਸੰਘਰੋ ਦੁਸ਼ਟ ਜਿਤੇ ਉਠਵਤ ਉਤਪਾਤਾ ਸਕਲ ਮਲੇਸ਼ ਕਰੋ ਰਨ ਘਾਟਾ ਜੇ ਅਸ ਦੁਜ ਤਬ ਸਰਨੀ ਪਰ ਤਿਨ ਕੇ ਦੁਸ਼ਟ ਦੁਖ ਹੋਵੇ ਮਰੇ ਪੁਰਖ ਜਵਨ ਪਗ ਪਰੇ ਤਿਹਾਰੇ ਤਿਨ ਕੇ ਤੁਮ ਸੰਕਟ ਸਭ ਟਾਰੇ ਜੋ ਕਲ ਕੋ ਇੱਕ ਬਾਰ ਦਿਆਏ ਹੈ ਤਾਕੇ ਕਾਲ ਨਿਕਟ ਨਹੀਂ ਆਏ ਹੈ ਰੱਛਾ ਹੋਏ ਤਾਹੇ ਸਭ ਕਾਲਾ ਦੁਸ਼ਟ ਅਰਿਸ਼ਟ ਟਰੇ ਤਤਕਾਲਾ In the last episode we went over the history of several small battles involving the Pahari rajas and the six as their fame grew hundreds of people began to join the Sikh dharm it is important to make the distinction here that this was a broader struggle of the lower castes against their rulers unlike the present day where Sikhs are essentially a closed ethnic group This was a time when large numbers of people were joining the fold giving the Khalsa army the flavor of a people's army The Pahari rajas now gave up hope that they could deal with the growing Sikh power on their own and began to pressure Aurangzeb for help They presented the Punjab as a place of open rebellion As we pointed out in earlier episodes the Mughals had just finished a long and difficult campaign in Maharashtra There too Chhatrapati Shivaji and his descendants had mobilized support from all castes and fought what was essentially a people's revolt against the Mughals Aurangzeb was therefore well aware of the potential danger of this type of revolt he understood that preserving the caste system was essential for maintaining Mughal strength and keeping the vast majority of the population enslaved therefore Aurangzeb decided to listen to the Pahari rajas and attack Anandpur. A Mughal force was sent to Punjab from Delhi. It was headed by General Said Khan. Said Khan was the nephew of Pir Budusha. This is the same Budusha who we've covered before in episode 6, who had sent some men to fight for the Guru. On the way from Delhi to Anandpur, Said Khan stopped the army at Satara so he could meet his uncle. There he inquired about Guru Gobind Singh. He came to know that the Guru lived a godly life. He did not rule over any kingdom and was not a man of wealth. In addition, Pir Budusha informed his nephew that the Guru had never taken anything by force. Learning this, Said Khan was in a dilemma. But since he had his orders he decided to march his army to Anandpur. On Thursday, the 21st of March, 1704, the army attacked Anandpur. At the time, there were only about 500 Singhs in the city. In addition, the general Said Beg, who had defected to the Guru's side in the battle of Chamkor, was also present. The Guru and his Sikhs had no choice but to put on a fight with their small army. 
Upon seeing the bravery of the fighting men, as well as seeing Said Beg fighting for the Guru, General Said Khan remembered the words of his uncle Budusha. In shame, he deserted his army and left. Another military commander, Ramzan Khan, took control of the Mughal army. However, he was killed shortly afterwards by one of Guru Gobind Singh's arrows. Despite this, the task of defending Anandpur with only 500 men was insurmountable. The Guru decided to evacuate the town. Once the women and children had been removed from the city, the Guru and his army retreated. Anandpur was subsequently looted by the Mughal army, after which they departed for Sirhind. Upset at the proceedings, the Singhs asked the Guru for permission to ambush the Mughal forces as they were en route to Sirhind. The Guru granted them permission. In the dead of night, when the victorious Mughal army was deeply intoxicated, the Sikh forces broke upon them. There was chaos in the camp. The Mughal forces were disoriented and had to flee. Much of the loot was recaptured from the fleeing army and the Sikhs eventually retook Anandpur. Trouble in the South Meanwhile, the war to the south of Delhi had lasted 20 years. Every year, about 100,000 Mughal troops were killed in the campaign, either in the fighting or from the outbreaks of disease that are common in military camps. Plague was an especially big problem. The guerrilla forces of the Marathas continued to gain strength. In November 1699, Maratha forces crossed the Narbara River and looted the province of Malwa. In 1703, this was repeated. In 1704, a famine to the south of the Narbara River made the situation even worse. Farmers were regularly looted by the two fighting forces. Both Mughals and Marathas participated in this looting, creating a general atmosphere of chaos. Many people from northern India were employed in the Maratha lands. The more intelligent among them began to send their families back to the north as they sensed a major transition of power. The Marathas were now almost a regular army as they possessed not just guns, but also cannon and war elephants. Most of Aurangzeb's youthful companions had been killed or died off due to natural causes. The only trusted friend left was Wazir Asad Khan, who was five years his junior. Aurangzeb was therefore living his life as a broken man, watching his empire begin to crumble like a wall of sand. It was in this state that he repeatedly received the news about the state of the Punjab from the Pahadi Rajas. Aurangzeb had seen the state of the south with his own eyes. Now he began to hear that the Sikhs were doing in Punjab what the Marathas had done in the south. He therefore instructed the courts of Lahore, Sirhind and Kashmir to join forces with the Pahadi Rajas and destroy Anandpur root and branch. The Nazims of Sirhind, Lahore, and Kashmir, Wazir Khan, Dilawar Khan, and Zabardast Khan, 
all started to take their forces towards Anandpur. In addition, a proclamation of jihad, or holy war, was sent to the Pakhtun regions to the northwest. Several thousand volunteers therefore also joined the organized forces of Kashmir in order to fulfill what they saw as a religious duty and crush the rising power of the infidels. In addition, the Pahadi Rajas joined forces with the Mughals, led by Raja Ajmer Chand of Kahilur. The other two large kingdoms were those of Kangra, led by Ghaman Chand, and Jaswal, led by Bir Singh. Several smaller kingdoms also joined in. In total, the size of the invading force was about 200,000 uniformed soldiers. However, they were supplemented by tens of thousands of other militia who had responded to the call for jihad. When Guru Gobind Singh came to know that a massive army was marching towards Anandpur, he sent a call for volunteers to the provinces of Macha, Malwa, and Doaba. Men began to form Jathebandis and responded to the call. Yet, Sikh history records that the army for the defense of Anandpur was tiny in comparison to the Mughal forces, comprising only 10,000 men. The Mughal forces from Delhi and Sirhind met with the forces of the Pahari Rajas at Ropar. Meanwhile, the Mughal forces from Lahore and Kashmir, along with the Jihadi Pakhtun hordes, assembled on the side of the Satluj River. On the 20th of May, 1704, they began a simultaneous attack on Anandpur from the north and the south. Guru Gobind Singh had groups of 500 Singhs each, posted at Keshgar, Anandgar, Olgar, Lokgar, and Agampur. This brings us to the end of this episode. In the next episode, we will cover this epic battle in great detail, as it is the first large-scale battle fought by the Khalsa army. Salok Mahla Tera kita jato nahi Maino jog kitoi Maino nirgunyare ko gunanahi Ape tarasapeoi Tarasapea meheramatahoi Satgur sajanamilea Nanak naam mileta jiwa Tanaman thiwe hariya Nanak naam mileta jiwa Tanaman thiwe hariya